Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We give you the latest OU staff and roster updates, and then we interview Superman himself, Roy Williams. We finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week, where we talk some NFL playoffs. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, January 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. In Fridays in January from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Rockin' and Reeling giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And Ted, we've got Superman, baby. Let's go. Can't wait. Uh, awesome. I'm, I'm so thrilled that, that Roy is in the Hall of Fame, and uh, it's going to be great to hear from him. There, there's so much OU football stuff to talk about. We, we, have, we have no time to waste. <laughs> let's, go. Let's, let's start with the staff. I I had held on to hope, but unfortunately, our man Ty Darlington is leaving Oklahoma to become a quality control coach on offense for Billy Napier at Florida. 
and it is a bummer. Um, I think that first of all, Ty is a is a very close friend of mine. I I hosted Ty on his official visit, so I've known like I've known Ty Darlington since his first day at OU, and he was my protege. And it was like after I left and watching him play and just watching him become the leader for for those teams. Uh, the way that he was for those lines, like I, I was so damn proud of him. And then he got into coaching and I, I think he's going to be a star as a coach and he's a great guy. But when, when you look at it, he's been, he's been the, the assistant QB's coach here uh, for the last five years, Matt, that wasn't his title, but that's what he was. And he was the other guy in the room every day with Lincoln Riley with those quarterbacks. So I was really sad to see him go, but also was, was excited for the opportunity that, he, that he's getting at Florida. And I was, I was so excited when he got the opportunity to coach the quarterbacks in the Alamo Bowl. And we, we all saw how Caleb Williams played in that game. And I think, I, I think Ty played a big role in that. But ultimately, after talking to him about it, man, it, he'd been at OU for a long time. And just felt he he needed to expand his network and continue to grow as a coach. And I'll say this: it it's not the new staff. He loves the new staff and loves the culture that is that is being built at Oklahoma right now under Brent Venables. But the role they offered him, it, it just I, I don't think it would allow him to continue to grow in, in the in the manner that he wanted to grow as a coach. So it was a really difficult decision for him, but ultimately the chance to go back to his home state, be close to his family. Uh, I think that's ultimately what pushed him to take the job of Florida. And I'm going to miss him. I, uh, and I don't like, I don't like when my friends leave and a lot of my friends have left recently off from the program. Ted don't like it one bit, but also um, excited for him. Yeah. No, I I think it, I think it's always good. I think it's always healthy um, to spiral out a little bit and and go out there and see see what the world has to offer, and you know get get another opportunity. And I know it it would have been really comfortable to to take the role at OU where he's been for so long, and 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 maybe not put yourself out there. But, you know, to be able to make more connections, dig in a little bit deeper into the, the college football world, um, he's definitely got the talent. He's got the ability. He's done some really good stuff. He's got a great understanding of what has been one of the best offenses in college football over the last several years. So I think he's, I, I think he's got some really good tools. I think he's got some really good knowledge. Um, and he's building a, a really good background, a really good good depth to his resume. So I think the sky's the limit, man. He's done some really good stuff. Hate to see him go, but at the same time, excited, just like you are. Yeah. He's a traitor. I hate him. Wait, <laughs> what? No, I'm, I won't cheer for Florida, but uh, I'll, I'll always cheer for Ty. And remember, Lebby is bringing in his guy. Did we ever find out if it's hold a check or hold a sec? Check. I'm going with check until until uh, told so, otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Matt Holacek. That's what we're going with. Remember, he's going to be an analyst. He's going to be working with the quarterbacks, kind of as an assistant quarterbacks role. And 
with one former Oklahoma center leaving, that opens up a spot for one former Oklahoma center to return. Our man John uh, Cooper is coming back. So, obviously, John Cooper is a name a lot of people know. We've had him on the podcast. Remember, he was the one that when Western Carolina's offensive line coach died, he stepped in to fill that role for Western Carolina this season. But this is a guy that was a former stud offensive line when was Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year for, for Oklahoma. Yeah, and that line had some dudes. And he was the Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year that season, uh, playing the national championship game against Florida. And he was, he was a graduate assistant when I was there. And he made me a much better player. And he is going to <laughs> he is he's a tough coach right because you you think of the coaches he was molded by mm-hmm. you know Kevin Wilson yikes so i i'm fired up for coop to come back and he's going to come back in some sort of analyst role but i believe this has us up to 7 former OU players now that are on BV staff in some capacity. Yeah. And I'll just tell you right now, that number is going to continue to climb and it's going to climb much higher. Um, but Coop coming in, it's a, it's a great thing for a bunch of reasons. Obviously he's a former player with great familiarity of this program with a, with a great love of this program. Um, He's a hell of a coach. He's, he's tough. And, you know, he's a, he's a former wrestler. Just, I hope maybe him and DeMarco Murray can uh, have the second round of that fight that I witnessed uh, the UFC style fight in the indoor. That would be great. Um, But he also knows this offense. Um, You know, he's, he's, he's been involved with this offense and he knows it. So he can bring that element as well. I think it's great that he's coming and I I love it, you know, fill the program with guys that have a, a deep pride about what the product looks like there. And it's not just an opportunity to get to the next uh, destination and not saying that's like what it was before, but you know, that, that can happen at a place, right? It's, it's what can the program do for me to get me, you know, somewhere else. And whenever you bring in a bunch of former guys, that's not, that's not necessarily what you get. Now guys obviously want to perform well and see what may happen, but that's not, that's not first and foremost. There's a, uh, there's, there's a pride element involved and I, and I think that's great. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And clearly he's got a really good relationship with Jeff Levy. He's got a great relationship with Joe John. So you, you look at, you look at him coming back it's it's a great addition, right? And he also, I mean, he's got experience in the SEC, right? Coached yep. at Missouri, coached at Arkansas, uh, coached at UCF, so has recruited in that area of the country. So his, his experiences there are valuable as well. So, you know, we continue to talk about this team whenever it comes transitioning to the SEC, and this is another guy that has experience doing that. Okay, so we got a couple questions from from people on Twitter on the podcast account, Ted, about how many su- support staff people have left, right? So obviously coaches, support staff, like people 
people maybe don't understand why so many people have moved on to other places when when Brent Venables is coming in. And I I I probably understand the confusion because everyone's so excited about Brent Venables coming in, but then there's all these people going out, you know, going to USC, going to different places. So it's a little counterintuitive when you, when you think about it, but what's the best way to explain to people why that is happening? Well, first of all, the best way to explain it is you have to look at it from a different perspective. Like say you take, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to come up with an example, but most places like look at it as, wow, I can't believe how many people are staying. Not, I can't believe how many people are leaving because usually whenever you have a regime change, everyone goes like there's, there's, you may have like a, like a head trainer and, and, and like some of the, because those those are like segmented. Those are different. The equipment groups. people, right? That stuff isn't necessarily part of the football staff. So whenever it comes to like the actual football staff, usually you get wholesale changes, and some people may be retained, but usually you get across the board changes. So the fact that there's been so many people retained is a better way to look at it because. It is, it's a relationship oriented business. And usually whenever you're bringing someone in, you're bringing them in because they've had success and they feel like they've had success because of they've had the right people around them. So in order to have success at the new place, they want to bring the people that helped them have success at the last place. Right? So you surround yourself with those people that are familiar with your way of doing things. That's just how it works. That's that's the nature of this business. And you'll see that at the college level. You'll see it at the NFL level. The NFL level, it goes a step further. Coaches will bring in guys that they drafted, that they uh, that played for them at other places and bring them in in free agency and bring in their guys. So it's totally a normal piece of the business. It can be a brutal part of the business that we're just not used to around here. Because in, in, in one shape or form, we've had the same regime here for over 20 years, right? Now, there's been pieces that have changed throughout, but for the most part, it's been the same people. That is not typical of college football. Right. And then for, for the people that have left, like for the guys that went to USC, and we've talked a lot about this, but it's about stability. It's about knowing you have a job and you know, some of these people have moved on because they don't have a prior relationship with Brent Venables and it is a relationship and stability driven business. And I I think that, I think you're exactly right. Like I think people should be more surprised by how many people have stayed on the staff than uh, the other way around of being like, Oh my gosh, why have so many people moved on? It's, This this number of people, yeah, it's weird. You you don't see this many people stay that often. How many times in the history of college football, like in recent times, has a team hired a new offensive coordinator? Like that's the top one of the top guys in the country, and he kept the entire staff from the previous 
offense. Like that doesn't happen. That's not how things go. And that has happened here. That is a rare, rare thing. And no, it's just, it's, it's frankly, it's been awesome. And a lot of people, you know, here's the thing. Venables probably came in and had the meeting like, Hey, I know this has been your role here. I've got someone I want to bring into that spot. I, you know, I can't keep you at this spot. I can give you this spot down here, but I can't keep you at the current spot you're in. I've got someone tabbed for that role. I want to bring them in. And in order to to maintain that same kind of level in the hierarchy, people may go elsewhere. Where, where, okay. So for those of you that watch this on YouTube, Teddy was just using his hands to explain the levels of jobs where does the level of the job that Brent Venables is going to offer you, like, where is it on the hand scale? Is it, is it low, high, low, low the, way the high? The hand is right. No, um, it's, it's a, it's the, uh, you the know, it's only a matter low. of time before he offers you a job, right? Well, I, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you this part of me, feels like and and honestly part of me feels like if coach Venables came to me and said hey listen I've got a spot available on the equipment staff it's all I can offer you it's this it's the you know the morning where you have to stock all the locker rooms before the morning workouts and that stuff and that's all I've got for you part of me honestly feels like I owe him everything that I have in life for offering me the opportunity to play at OU. And I, it's, it's almost like doing your duty, like to go be a part of it and offer up that service. I honestly feel that way. Um, And, you know, if I didn't have so many other things going with other people, you know, depending on me and stuff, I would, I would probably, do it if he offered me a job but unfortunately i'm in a position in my life where you know i i can't i can't do that but you know i i do feel that way that i i need to go serve the man that gave me my opportunity you people better enjoy this podcast while it lasts (laughs) you better enjoy it while it lasts all right so uh, a lot of people talking about the coaches making a last minute recruiting push right now remember with how the calendar has changed, man, coaches have they got to cover a lot of ground this time of the year. You're you're seeing the videos of Kale Gundy flying on a private plane. You're seeing the video or the picture that Coach V posted, and it, it, you you see Beanbow and Jay Valai and Todd Bates, you know, all over the state of Texas, like they are in a mad scramble right now, which which led me to feel the need to educate people on this situation, which I don't know if people care about this or not, but the way that the private jet stuff works for the coaches. So donors are the ones that allow the coaches to use those planes. So most donors cover the cost of it all. And then they just submit the costs as a donation to the athletic department. Some donors have deals with companies like wheels up net jets, where they get a certain amount of hours, right, with the plane. They'll they'll donate hours to the coaches to where they can use it. 
Uh, some donors may say, hey, you can use the plane, but I would like for you to cover the cost of fuel or or the the pilot time costs, like stuff like that. So there's all different ways that this gets done. And in some instances, the athletic department itself just buys flight time, right? They have a deal with the NetJets or Wheels Up, and they they cover the cost of everything. But that's how they get around. People people donate planes for them to fly around. Like that's how much some people care about this program that, and they care that these coaches can you know put their best foot forward when it comes to trying to convince these young men to come play football at Oklahoma. Right, and I'll tell you this. I I feel like we need to call it almost like the uh, the Crimson Air Force or something like that with the amount of uh, jets we've got canvassing the country right now. Here's the thing, man. This has not been the case in the past. The amount of private jet usage by the coaching staff is up and up in a massive, massive way. And this is part of the conversation with Brent Venables about resources and for these coaches to be able to, it is, and I know it is a a luxury and a privilege, but the efficiency of being able to, the amount of ground that you can cover with a private jet and the amount of recruits that you can see in what is sometimes a very narrow window is massive. And it is very, very important. And that is something that has, has been a sticking point in the past. And I know that the new staff, the, the new regime coach Venables has been, you know, very adamant about needing to upgrade the amount of, of private air travel that they have access to. Uh, the, the best way I put it to people is I got, it's what Georgia does. It's what they I, did. That's it's what Bama does. Like, will, that's, that's how I'll I frame you, everything now. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that a lot of these things are kind of where we've been lagging behind because we've, we're winning the, we're, we're there. We're right there. We have a couple of things happen and you know, we'll, we'll be able to, to get over the hump and get a championship. But in reality, like whenever you look at the, when you look at the whole scope of things, it's actually impressive what we've been able to do whenever you compare it with what a lot of other schools and the resources and the, just the, the, the amount of things that they, they have access to that we haven't in the past that we will now. It's going to be, it's going to change, be a game changer. Yep. All right, let's talk about the latest updates to the rosters. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And they've got everything you need when it comes to your road trip needs. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also as you covered. If you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. 
For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing, Gabe, has created a limited release of Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. And yes, the shirts and hoodie are buttery soft. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear, too. It's not just the Oklahoma Breakdown stuff. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED for 10% off. The shirts look great. Are we back up on inventory? Are we good to go? We, the the Texas, the Teddy Texas Sucks shirt, it, it, it flew off the shelves. It flew off <laughs> the digital shelves. Yeah. So I, I contacted them. I said, hey, Bunch of people are telling us the shirts already sold out, and I don't think they thought we would sell that many shirts. I think that's that's I, a good thing. I think the listeners they're they're doing their damn thing. We, we appreciate got a great the support. Group. We love you guys. It's awesome. All right, oh you roster stuff. It's winter workouts time, baby. <laughs> I mean that's that's where you got to start. So I know that everyone's seeing the stuff on social media about Jerry Schmidt and the the speeches and like. It, that's him, and he is. That is the the intensity. You could just you could just feel it when you watch it. But I just want people to know because I feel Ted. I feel like you know some people are expecting like there to be casualties or something like that for OU's football program. That's not going to happen. Jerry Schmidt is tough, but he's also very smart and very good at what he does. So you're not going to hear any horror stories from this week because the real workouts haven't started yet. The The suffering has not begun. The team is just testing this week. Right. So believe it or not, Jerry Schmidt wants a good sense of what he's working with, with these players before he just throws them in the deep end. So this week we're talking, you know, bench max, Power clean max, you know, reps. So for those of you that don't know, if for like the offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you power clean 315 as many times as you can, right? And I'm sure that's what Teddy did because he was a freak weight room guy as well. Uh, squat max is a little, eh, I don't know how much of that they're still doing, but then you do all the combine stuff, right? You're, you're running your 40, you're doing your short shuttle, your three cone, your vertical jump, your broad jump all that stuff. You're taking your measurements and then they see what they got. Uh, it, it is not, it is not the, it is not to the point where the kids are walking across Jenkins without looking both ways early in the morning, hoping a car hits them. That's, that's not where they're at yet. They'll get yeah. there, but that's not where they're at yet. Well, here's the thing is you cannot uh, strength and conditioning is all about development and kind of like grading or evaluating the progress of the team and of position groups and of individual players. And here's one of the interesting things. When, when the previous defensive staff got on campus in uh, would have been the beginning of 2019, right? They didn't get a full list of, of what the guy's measurements were and times and test scores and stuff until the summer of 2020. 
like before they before they like sent the guys out before the summer. It took that long to get a, a legit group of test scores to see where like where are we at, right? How do we know? We don't even know if we're getting faster or stronger. We don't even have the numbers. So that's going to be first and foremost. See where we're at, and then let's grind it out and see where we we end up being. You know, at the end of the summer, you'll test again where we at at the end, of, or excuse me, at the end of winter, you'll test again, and then see where we at at the end of the summer. And it's a constant, you know, seeing where you're at throughout your entire time there. Yeah. Also, you got the body fat. I'm sure they're hopping in the bod pod. Always fun. Uh, hope you're not claustrophobic, kids. Okay, what do we think about the shirts? Championship strain is what we see on the shirt. So, I it's pretty good. It's a little play on words, right? Plays into the OU DNA stuff. Then you've got the you know, hey, if you're not straining, you're not gaining situation when it comes to strength and conditioning. It, is it too punny for you? I feel like by no. the look on your face. I like it. Okay. My annoyance is with the fans. I keep being told that it looks like USC's colors. It doesn't. I keep being told it looks like Florida State's colors. It doesn't. It's OU, and it just says championship in in like gold lettering. You mean gold, like the color of the national championship trophy? Yes. Oh, a bunch of people just gold, you know, signifies first place. They were like, oh, hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I was shocked by the amount of people that were upset that it looked like USC's uh, coach. Guys, I I understand, but we can continue to troll and, and all of that stuff, but don't make, don't let USC like dominate your mind right now. That's not, they're not even a competition to us right now. Okay. don't let them don't let them live rent free, guys. I know Punk. that's what I feel like's happening. Keep your wits about you, oh you fans. Come on, keep your composure. I I saw the picture of the guys doing med ball in OU's Twitter posts, and it just it just sent shivers down my spine. And it was just su- it was such a great reminder that there may be nothing more important than having a good med ball partner this time of the year. You, you got to have it, or else or else it can ruin your winter. Oh, there is no doubt about that, which the first thing I, I thought of whenever I saw that, I was like, oh, hell no. Folks, this is just the demonstration. You see those feet standing in the background of the of the players standing in the background. If this was a real workout, they would there would be no people standing around. Everyone is going at the same time. And the funny thing is, Gabe, that's how you start off the workout is with you know, there's a quick little warm up and then med ball abs. There's no better gauge of how the day is going to go than that. Those couple of sets of med ball abs, it could either make or break the entire day. If it's rough, people are going to be dropping like flies for the rest of the day. It's crazy that med ball abs, like a med ball can be the greatest torture device ever seen. <laughs> okay. If we, if we, Got on the ground and locked up and did med ball. Do you think we're getting through a set of 50 right now? One. One? Not not a second? Nope. Okay. That's fair. I, f- I feel a little insulted, but that's fair. Well, I, I, it's not because of you. It's because of me. Um, I'll tell you, I never understood. Like, you've got to get, you've got to get an excellent 
foot lock together. It's the uh, most important it, part. And I never understood partners that get really far away. No. I'm like, dude, we, we got to lock in, lock in under my, like under my hamstrings and I'll lock in under yours. Let's get, we're going to get awkwardly close. The less distance that ball has to travel, the better. I'm with you. I, I think we could do it. I, I definitely think we could do it. So we'll, we'll get into some of the more terrible aspects of winter workouts over these next couple episodes when they ramp up, we'll talk about coaches stations and we'll start crying and stuff. How bad does your back start slamming against the turf towards the end of the, <laughs> whenever you're catching the ball at the top and go boom. To the ground. <laughs> oh, good times. All right. Okay. OU has added a four more transfers since our last episode. And a couple of them have enrolled Connie Walker. So this is a guy that didn't play a ton as a freshman uh, at Louisville last season, but this is a guy, he's got the measurables, right? Talk about measurables, 6'1", 190 pounds, long, athletic. And there's one thing I like about this. It's from the state of Georgia, right? We, we've talked about the importance of this staff continuing to attack the SEC part of this country and the greater presence they have with players on the current roster, I'm all for how that opens doors for them in that area of the country moving forward. So when I saw he was from Georgia, I was like, ooh, like that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. And, you know, I think it I think there's multiple reasons here. Obviously, um, a lot of guys on the new staff have ties down there. So they remember these kids from, you know, whenever they were coming out and they recruited them. So there there are ties there. Uh, that's number one. Um, and starting to develop inroads with the high schools that these kids came from in the SEC, right? Um, you you develop those relationships with those coaches. And, you know, there's a lot of kids at different high schools that are, and a lot of people say this, the key to Texas is knowing the high school coaches because that ends up, you know, being the determining factor for a lot of kids. And, and who they end up trusting goes through the the high school coach, and I'm sure it's the same in in SEC territory. So uh, you get, you know, the 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 positives rather are multiple. You get good talent that you're familiar with. You're bolstering your roster, and you're developing those inroads with those high school coaches. Yeah, and then another defensive back, Trey Morrison. Uh, this guy was a four year starter at North Carolina, 44 starts. That's a lot. And clearly with him playing at North Carolina, they're out, out in the ACC. BV is familiar with him, right? Even though he's a defensive guy, like I'm sure that this is a guy they, they've talked about before uh, when he was on the Clemson staff. So not a, not a huge dude, right? At 5'9", 190 pounds, but this is a veteran guy that has played a lot of football, and he's going to come into a room that's got a lot of young guys in it, and he's going to push those guys, right? And some of the guys in the room that he's stepping into may be more talented than him, may have more length, a little more athleticism, but he's got experience, right? And he's, he's I mean, he's old. Yep. So th this is, I, I think this is a really good addition to that group of defensive backs, right? Because... I think this is a guy that's going to come and push everyone. And 
if he ends up being the best man for one of the corner spots or somewhere in the secondary, then sure, put him out there. Who cares? I mean, he's played a lot of ball. You can, you can trust him, but this is, this is a good thing. And one other great thing, Trey Morrison from the state of Georgia. So once again, another guy that comes from the sec footprint. Yeah. And I, I think it, dude, the, the veteran aspect of this is big. I mean, you think about it, how many starts are we losing from the secondary, you know, and I know it's a different position, but uh, we're losing a lot, a lot of experience in the secondary. So having a guy that's played a lot of football is, is going to be really, really big. And the other thing is it, it's not a shock to me that we're seeing so many defensive backs because let's face it, the real Achilles heel of OU's defense over the last however many years you really want to go back is the secondary. We've had in good individual players that have made their way through, but it's been very difficult getting an entire group, an entire secondary play as one unit and have success. So it's not a shock to see Coach Venables coming in and making it a priority to bring in some secondary players with some talent and and some experience to go with it. Yeah, and let's not forget CJ Coldone, Colden. I don't know how we'll, we'll find out when he gets here, but it he's the transfer for from Wyoming, uh played a lot of football and last update I got doesn't sound like he's going to be here until the summer. So we'll see if that changes at any point here in the next couple of weeks. Uh I I will add um I I've got a friend that is on the Wisconsin staff and knows Jay Valai very well. And a couple of things said he was an unbelievable player, super smart, uh, is an excellent coach, tough, hard nosed, and also said he is, quote, strong as shit. And I said, impossible DBs are weak. And he said, this DB ain't weak. Uh, so, and this, this guy was the, he was the strength coach for, for Pitt. Whenever Aaron Donald was there, he was the strength coach for Wisconsin head strength coach there for a while. Uh, now he's the D line coach. He knows a thing or two about moving some weight. So, uh, that caught my attention. Yeah. So those, those guys in, in the corners room are, you, you can't be getting outlifted by your coach. I mean, yep. you just can't. So. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to improve those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I was. I was stoked about that. I loved hearing it. Yeah. All right. Sooners lost out to LSU for Missouri defensive lineman Makai Wingo and Chuba Purdy is headed to Nebraska, but still a young man named Jackson Dart mm-hmm. that has yet to make his decision. Right now, sounds like he's visiting BYU, but. I've talked to some people that are close to the Ole Miss program. They're a little worried about how much Dart likes OU. Now, I I assume Jackson Dart and his family have some concerns. Actually, I know they have some concerns about how close Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel are, right? Because they have a prior relationship. He's, you know, Dylan Gabriel has played for Jeff Levy. And I understand that concern, but I also feel like it, it may not be an ideal situation, but any big program you go to, you're going to have to beat out some talented guys. 
right? And uh, some of those talented guys are going to have been there and have a, have a longer relationship than you with the coach. So it's kind of just how this whole thing works now when you hop in the transfer portal. So I, I don't know how much of a turn that will be for Dart, but it does seem like it's BYU, OU, or Ole Miss. I'm very confident, very, very, very confident that Dart comes to OU. And I I wasn't very confident for a while because you know I was I was hung up on the on the you know not being able to guarantee him a starting spot. And I know no places well some people will, but you know, hey, you gotta come in and work for it and earn it. We think you can, we like your ability. So I was like, well, it just it doesn't seem like he he would want to come and sit at OU. But here's the way I look at it. You got Ole Miss. You got BYU and you've got Oklahoma. You know, I think it, it always depends on on what you what you prioritize and what you what you what you think is is most important. And from what I've heard, the family um, Jackson Dart himself, this is a a really good family, right? Ole Miss does not fit what it sounds like this family prioritizes. Let's just call it how it is. Lane Kiffin has a track record, right? There's some stuff out there on Lane Kiffin that is, that is, you know, not necessarily above board. So whenever you factor some of that stuff in, just kind of the, the environment down there is a little bit different. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got BYU, which according to everything I've ever heard about the place is just run super well, you know, obviously, you know, the way that you handle yourself at that program is a huge factor, but there's not like this track record of putting guys into the NFL. And I know they've got the Wilson kid recently, but whenever you look outside of that and you kind of look at who's there now offensively, it doesn't make you feel very good about your prospects of, of, you know, just headed to the NFL as, as a, you know, this NFL ready quarterback, Oklahoma is the perfect marriage between those two extremes. In my opinion, you've got, you've got uh, an offense that has a track record of putting guys in the NFL that goes back a really long time. And you've got a coach that is making it well-known and prioritizing like the emphasis on the holistic approach to to running this program. I think it's the perfect marriage between what you see on on the on the two different extremes and it just to me it stands to reason that neither one of those places has anything close to offer like Oklahoma outside of like a guaranteed spot to uh, spot to start and I think anyone who who has really high aspirations of where they want to go wants to make the right decision over just what may be the, the quickest way to get on the field. No, I, I'm with you. And, you know, about BYU, yes, Zach Wilson just was one of the first couple picks of the draft, but that offense coordinator's not there anymore. Gone. Right. Yeah, he's at Baylor, Jeff Grimes. I, I, I know that because he runs one of my favorite systems in all of college football. Maybe my favorite, but... Yeah, so it, it'll be really interesting to see what Jackson Dart does. It seems like if something's or 
obviously something's going to happen, but it seems like something's going to happen soon with Dart because I mean you got to get in, you got to get enrolled at some point. So got to get enrolled, and you got to start making yourself a part of the team, right? Which is which is very very important, uh, especially for quarterbacks. And right. speaking of that, Caleb Williams still hadn't gone anywhere as as we are recording this, and he has he hasn't gone to USC yet. Or it hasn't been made official, but listen, I'll I'll tell you this, and I've been told this by multiple people, right? Just like the rest of us, when when Lincoln Riley decided to leave Oklahoma, Caleb Williams' dad, Carl, was pissed. And I do mean pissed. So I I think they're pretty upset that their life plan for Caleb kind of got messed up and now, I won't be shocked if he goes to USC, especially if the rumors of them putting a $5 million NIL package together for him are true, but it's it's starting to get to one of those points where I'm like, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Now, maybe, let's get, maybe it still happens, but for whatever reason, I still got my eye on Georgia, man, and I know Stetson Bennett came out and said he's coming back. I don't care. I it would just it would make more sense to me at this point for him to go to Georgia, but we'll see. It just this has kind of just disappeared as a storyline. It's like I don't know. It it's weird. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of people are tired of worrying about it. And I'm with you as far as as far as Oklahoma players, staff, and a good portion of the fans, I still see like people whenever he, I guess he tweeted something out today and I saw it come across the, the timeline. Like I'm still just a cringe whenever I go through there and everyone's like, come back to Oklahoma. We love you, man. You're the best ever. I, it's just like, come on, man. Seriously. Like we're, we're on to winter workouts. Okay. We've, we've moved past this thing. Um, but I don't know. I'll tell you that because the rumors were out there about Wisconsin, right? Uh, that's what initiated the conversation with my old buddy at, at Wisconsin. And <laughs> I'll just say that I don't, I don't think that Caleb Williams is going to Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, I, I will, I'll get those details from you uh, once we get done. All right, let's move on in the National College. Or, oh, Never mind. We've got Roy Williams next. Roy Williams is next. But first, Ted, birthday shout-outs. Birthday shout-outs. We can't skip them. Happy first birthday to Weston Tolls. Happy birthday, Weston. There's a lot of them. Buckle up, How to get to number one before you can get to the rest of them. We're glad you made it. Happy birthday, Weston. Happy fourth birthday to Nolan Seeler. Seiler? Seiler. Seiler. Happy birthday, Nolan. Happy fifth birthday to Beckham Ross. Happy birthday, Beckham. Happy 13th birthday to Ruby Wynn Reed. I like that name. Happy birthday, Ruby. Happy 28th birthday to Spencer Hoff. Happy birthday, Spencer. Happy 31st birthday to Austin Carey. Double Happy first birthday, name. Austin. I like it. Happy 40th birthday to Jennifer Brown. Love it. Join the club. I'm right there with you, Jennifer. Happy birthday. Happy 52nd birthday to Big Willie G. What yeah, Big Willie. Love it. Happy birthday. 
Happy 55th birthday to Greg Hoff. Happy birthday, Greg. Happy 59th birthday to Billy Sockwell. Happy birthday, Billy. Happy 61st birthday to Darren Ross. Happy birthday, Darren. Happy 65th birthday to Tony Skinner. Happy birthday, Tony. Happy birthday to the ageless Macy Turley. Happy birthday, Macy. That's good to see her in there. Thank you for listening. She's the best. Happy birthday to Jen Shikar. Is that what we're going with? C-H-I-K-A-R. I think you nailed it. Happy birthday, Jen. By the way, Jen, you should be an OU fan. Michigan is stupid. Hmm. Interesting. Congratulations. I'll still, I'll still let the happy birthday stand, but this is the one chance you get. That's it. Yeah. Congratulations to Chase and Gabby Thompson on your move to Florida, and congrats on the new job, Chase. Is this a first uh, move shout-out and new job shout-out? It is, and which brings us to our first. We would like to send our condolences to the family and friends of Sean Woodson. Condolences, family and friends of Sean Woodson. I hate to hear that. I know, but we got the request, and we give the people what they want. Speaking of what the people want, Roy Williams is up. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, winter is here for the fourth time this year, but does it really matter because it's always hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coupel Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs, the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, here's the Sooner legend, Roy Williams. It is our pleasure to be joined by one of the best football players in the history of Oklahoma football. He is one of the newest or will be one of the newest inductees into the College Football Hall of Fame. I don't know what took so long, but he is the one, the only Superman himself, Roy Williams. What's going on, man? What's cracking, guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That's Thanks a good question. Too. And uh, a great intro and a great 
first question, just to reemphasize, what did take so long? Honestly, like the process, uh, we all know that, you know, without a doubt, you're your best uh, defensive player in college football, one of the best over the past however many years you want to go. Um, did the press process kind of drag on for you? Were you were you expecting it? Were, did you think it was going to happen sooner? Or just kind of how'd that play out? Well, honestly, I thought <clears throat> I thought I would have been in sooner. Um, but it's it, it truly is a process. And people that don't know, it's first to even get nominated, you have to have like Joe, um, Joe C to nominate you to put you on the ballot. And then there's like uh, people that are members of the uh, National Football Foundation, they get to have a vote. And then that, then the, um, the board and the higher ups to be in the College Hall of Fame have, have the vote. And then it goes to a committee that they pick. And so when I, when I first got nominated, uh, I think like 19, 18 or something like that, um, I didn't, oh, no, I think it was 19, And but <clears throat> um, what was his, uh, Ricky Dixon, Ricky, Ricky Dixon went in. And so how they, how the Hall of Fame or the foundation, how they do it is they don't allow somebody from the same school to go back into the same position. So once I found that out, I was like, okay, I know that I'm not going to go on 19. But I was like, okay, but 20, I should be a lock, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> 2020 happens and it's like, nope. And then 2021, nope. And I'm like, man, I don't even care anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, it, I can't, I'm, I'm like, I can't let somebody put a value on me that really doesn't understand the game of football and what I feel that I meant to my university and to college football. So I'm not going to let them diminish um, what I did and what I accomplished. So now I just, I left it at that and I was like, whatever, I'm good with how I play and I still get mad love from student nation. So I don't even care. And then I got the calls like, hell yeah, I'm in. Good. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, so you mentioned the call, like, is it that simple? Like when, when you find out you're going into the college football hall of fame, mm -hmm. it's obviously this massive deal that only a select few of men in the history of the game get to experience. Is it, is it just a phone call? Like, Hey man, you're in like, what happened? Yeah. Um, I got called, I got contacted by Mr. Steve. He is the CEO of the national football foundation. And he let me know that, Hey, and do, he introduced himself all over and um, he told me that um, that I was getting in and um, would I be available to go down to Minneapolis to go to the national championship game, to go on the field. What At the time, I didn't know who it was going to be, but it turned out to be Andrew Luck to talk about us being inducted in, in the 2020 uh, class. And then I had to do some ESPN stuff with them. And so I went out there. Um, it's a great, I mean, they have a great setup, man. The, the hospitality room was amazing. Um, just being, I mean, I wish it was in a warmer city. It would have been so much more fun because <laughs> it was freezing <laughs> in Indianapolis, but it was a, it was a great, great experience. Man, I brought two of my buddies down. We had a great time, man. And we just, um, being around the national championship atmosphere and seeing all the former players coming in town and talking with them, it just, it just reminded me of being back in the locker room, hanging out with my guys. 
take us through your development. You know, it just like a, a lot of players, it was a work in progress. And I know you ended up, uh, it was probably rough in the beginning, but ended up developing, uh, developing a great relationship with Coach Smith. Same thing with Mike Stoops. Mike Stoops could be rough around the edges. It was probably really brutal in the beginning, but I know you ended up developing a great relationship with Mike Stoops that you still have to this day. Yes, I do. Um, love love uh, Coach Mack, and I love Smitty, but I never um, – I always had a, a very great respect for Coach Smitty because, one, he was inflicting pain, and I was trying to be a, a – a brown nose and a teacher's pet, like because I was not trying to get that that fury of Schmitty. Because I mean, you know what that is. I mean, it ain't it ain't cool. And so, um, I don't think I ever developed that tight of a relationship with Schmitty. I was more so, let me do what I have to do, get out of here, no problems. You cool with me? I'm cool with you. I'm leaving. Like we good? I'm, I'm out of here. I, That's I how it should be. That's exactly. the best relationship you can have. I was like, I don't want no problems. So, but with with but with Coach Mike, um, you know, it was uh, when they got there in '99. It was they didn't they inherited some kids that they didn't recruit. And for anybody to know what that is, it's 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 a it's a difficult situation. It's a fine line. Uh, you know, treading that line, making sure are they really somebody I want to, you know, entrust and, you know, in this defense or offense, whatever the case may be. Um, but after after 99, <clears throat> actually midway through 99 and then 2000 um, and me developing a relationship and understanding you know, Coach Mike's terminology and why he's calling certain plays and just understanding, you know, <clears throat> um, being a better football player, you know. And I tell people that um, I was a blank canvas and Coach painted the perfect football player that he wanted. Um, and he scoped me on how he wanted me to play. And I, I went out there and executed. Um, and... It's it's crazy because like to even think about it now, it's like, did you know I had like four or five responsibilities on one play and I would get cussed out if I messed up on any of them? Like how how is that even fair? You know what I mean? Like I literally had like four or five responsibilities and behind me, crosses, digs, you know, um, run fits, swing uh, check downs on the back. Like I had all that stuff. And if I messed up on one little inch, I would get cussed out, <laughs> you know? So, um, but it, it challenged me and I never questioned it. It's like, dude, I, I, I mean, I did it. I handled it with ease. Um, but those times I did cuss, um, get cussed out. I'm like, dude, that's so much. Like thinking about it now, it's like, dude, I got cussed out for that. You know, but it's just like, that's what he demanded out of you because he poured so much in me, you know, as um, from his coaching knowledge that, I mean, I, it, it, it showed on the football field. So, I mean, it was, it was awesome. I mean, the whole experience and being around Schmidt and thing about coach Smitty, I mean, I was honored when he gave me that call after I had got drafted. He was like, man, Roy, would you, would you mind, you know, donating some money back to the weight program? I was like, without a doubt. You know, um, just because that's that love I have for Schmitty. Now, when 
we were there and getting in, that pain inflicted on us, man. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't love. You know what I mean? It was just like, but it was a method to his madness. I think we there's a lot of players with- that wish you wouldn't have donated that money because it went to the <laughs> yeah. dungeon. Yeah, uh, so sure. the weight room down in the indoor where there, there's yeah. been some souls leave some bodies down in that room. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm one of those. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what but, the hell, bro? I look first off, I apologize, but at the same time, understand my point of view. I, when I was back in school, I associated success with people's names around our university, and I had an opportunity to be able to pour back into our university. And I wanted to do that because I felt that the universities has given me so much. And I just didn't want to feel like one of those players that just took, took, took and never gave back, you know? So it was like, I was able to plant a seed. Sorry that, you know, you, it was the dungeon and inflicted pain on you guys, <laughs> but I was able to, but I was able to give back. And how cool is it for you to be like, man, I donated money back to my school. You know what I mean? And so it's a, I'll tell you, it, uh, I think it was, it was a big motivating factor, at least, you know, cause I was, we overlapped, uh, for two years, but then after that, whenever that happened, I think that was a big motivating force for a lot of guys like, dang, mm-hmm. you can have that type of impact here if you handle your business. Yeah. And that's, and that's the only thing I want inspired to do is inspire everybody else to, cause I'm big on legacy. Like when I'm dead and going, I want my legacy to live on, you know? And so and I just don't want it to be left on from a play or, or anything else or the accolades that I had won. I want it to be like, you know what, this he not only not only um, excelled at the school and graduated and he donated money back in the school because he understood um, going forth. He wanted to leave, lay a foundation for the uh, current players, you know, and get better. I mean, that's all I care about. Okay, you you mentioned being remembered for a play. I I think everyone that listens to this or watches it on YouTube would be furious with me if I don't bring up the Superman play when I've got both yeah. of you here. Yeah. Um, okay, we everyone knows the story, right? Everyone yeah. knows the year. Everyone knows the play. Everyone knows that Mike told you not to jump. It, yeah. Is there anything that we don't know? about that play i've got you both here is there anything that people like actually don't know because i feel like the entire fan base knows every detail about that damn play okay so what they don't know is well the reason why they told me not to jump was earlier in that quarter i was disguising a blitz that that slam slam dogs blitz and i came inside to outside normally that blitz is supposed to come outside to in and so brett robin actually hit me in the groin area and tore me up and then i got blindsided i got back cut it or um low low cut by an offensive lineman and i looked over to the sideline and mike was like he just pointed like stay your butt in like you ain't coming out and so after that play happens or after all that happens uh they run a um it was a Third and uh, Chris Sims ran for like 11 yards. They had to get like 12 yards. Then they cheated us because um, me and uh, Brandon uh, Moore hit the. That's a, back. one of the best tackles, Brandon Moore. You guys yeah, smashed like that we dude. Sto- like we stopped him before he even got to the line. They gave him the first down. A couple of plays later, Antonio Perkins gets an interception. Then we drive down the TV timeout or the pooch front TV timeout. Mike 
Coach Venables telling me not to jump. Um, so when that play happens, it happens, and I'm literally thinking to myself, damn, Coach told me not to jump. All right, it's kickoff, so let me beeline to kickoff to the kickoff huddle so I don't have to talk to Coach Stoops. <laughs> so and so like I literally was like, yeah, I made the play. Let me slide by quickly. And I stayed on, I actually stayed on the field. And you can see me running in front of Coach um, um, Bob, right? Like you can see me beelining straight to Bob. And then, so the kickoff happens. And the next, the first play on offense, I get the interception. And I'm literally like, F, now I got to see Coach Stoops. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I'm I'm coming off the field, I'm like, I'm walking and I He's like, you know, he's biting that lip, like, like, I was like, damn. So he grabs him around my neck. And if you ever watch the replay of it, uh, they pan out and get the crowd. And then when they come back, you can see him shaking my neck because he was like, I told you not to effing jump. And then he just pushed me and I was just like, I dodged a bullet. I was scared. Like, I literally, like, if I didn't make that play, if me, hold on, if me and Teddy didn't make that play, dude. I would be in, I wouldn't even, I'll probably be buried underneath that stadium for real. <laughs> but in all honesty, though, Teddy, do you really think they were going to drive 98 yards on us to even make it a game? There's no way. There's no and, way. And that's why, that's why Coach Stoops went with that. You know, we were in Duncan's range, but they went with that field goal punt, yeah. you know, where they were just trying to pin it deep. You know, it's, there's no way, no way we played great. Well, really, both defenses played great they, that they day, but sure. there's there's no way they would have. I, you know what's interesting, and I've told this story a lot, and I can't remember if we've talked about it on here or not, Gabe, but you mentioned being on kickoff. And I think a lot of people, especially this day and age, think it's crazy that almost thought like a lot of the defensive starters were mm-hmm. on you were on kickoff punt and kickoff return. I was on those same three. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. guys were on at least two or three units uh, yeah. starting on special teams. And I don't know if you remember this, but last practice at OU of your career, it was would have been like a Thursday, um, you know, where it's uppers and we do a lot of special teams work and we were doing kickoff cover that, that, that day. And, we had this special kickoff coverage where we were kicking it like deep left in like the and five. I had one, and I had a one go, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So Roy said, and we cover, and this is another thing that's unheard of. It's two days before a bowl game and we're tackling to the ground on kickoff coverage uh, <laughs> at bowl practice. <laughs> well, Roy says, well, I think they said we're going to cover three full speed kickoffs. And Roy said, I'll give $500 to whoever makes these three tackles. <laughs> and, of course, Roy made all three tackles in practice <laughs> on kickoff funny. coverage, and everyone was so pissed. But, I mean, <laughs> that, I thought that was awesome. That's one of my favorite stories. But it's just – it kind of shows you the uh, the difference in an era, man, right? It's, it's totally different. That's crazy. I don't even – I honestly don't even remember that. That's freaking awesome that you said that. Like, I mean, I'm – trying to jog my memory, but I don't, I do remember being that it's NIL and all this other stuff is in existence. Now I do remember 
coming back to games and encouraging guys to get some sacks and interceptions because if they did, they were going to get some high fives. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there was a lot of, hey, there was a lot of guys <laughs> that was playing hard back in the day uh, after I left because they, they, they wanted to collect, man. It was awesome. I mean, I, that was so fun for me, man, just rewarding the young guys, man, and watching them, watching them eat on the field, man. It was amazing. The original uh, Odell Beckham Jr., right? Except you didn't do it on the field in front I of didn't, the cameras. I didn't do it in front of cameras. <laughs> I didn't do none of that. I mean, it's I mean, that's awesome. no more statute of limitations, but yeah, yeah, I was giving us some nice high fives. Yeah, we're sure. we're good here. We're good yeah. here. Um, and plus, I knew that. I knew yeah. it wasn't like I was a prior relationship. That's not yeah, against the sure. rules. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so, man, there's just so much to talk about, but Brent Vittable's coming back, right? Mm-hmm. He, he'd he been gone for a decade and been doing such a good job at Clemson. How excited were you when when you found out it, it was BV, that he was the man for the job? It was only fitting. Um, he Being that, it all made sense, too. Being that we're, go, we're getting ready to embark on going to the SEC, he's a former SEC coach with ties to Oklahoma, um, he has that fire, um, fiery spirit that will get players to rally around him and want to be better and not just be mediocre. Um, and he is defensive minded. You know, he knows how the SEC operates, you know, so <clears throat> I thought it was I thought it was only fitting for him to come back. And it was it was awesome to see the similarities between you know, some folks out West or TBOW, whatever it's called. <laughs> and then, um, then coach, uh, coach Renable's coming. So I thought, I thought that was uh, very eye opening for sure. As far as the fan base compared here, then, you know, I'm on the West coast. I mean, we do it right. You know, if you're with us, we're with you. And if you're not, you know, just kind of screw you. So. I love it. And I, I will say that really gave me an early call and said, Hey, heads up. He's coming. <laughs> that was, that was pretty cool. What was it? What was it like for you? And I know you took, um, not just back in the day, still take a lot of pride in, in, in OU in the fact that, uh, how good a, a, a defense this place played whenever you were there and that it was kind of like, that's, that's who, led the football team it was a defensively led football team and like I, was it difficult watching the struggles that have gone on um you know the last couple of years trying to get the defense right trying to get back to that standard yeah it is a struggle because as we were taught when we were when we were there teddy i mean it, it it's will be great do you want to make an effort and fly to the ball? It's all, all it is is effort and a want to. And I just didn't, I didn't see that from the players that were on the field. I mean, I know they have good intentions, but let your, let your play do your speaking. I never like help me and Rocky were never vocal leaders. We just led by example, you know, and we just let our play do the talking and we're not, we were never those raw, raw guys. We, we, we truly weren't. You know, and now we got a lot of, I'm not going to say currently, past, it just 
it's just just let your work let your work do your uh, do your talking. You know what I mean? And and that's that has been absent of late. Okay, so I I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, there's rumors that you're joining the staff, Roy. There's rumors <laughs> that Teddy is joining the staff. <laughs> I think there's a couple of rumors that I'm joining the staff. I will shoot yeah. those down now. I, my wife would divorce me. It ain't happening. But yeah. when when you see stuff like that, and I know you're getting tagged and all kinds of stuff, like, is that something you'd be interested in? Teddy? <laughs> no, I'm not, that's that. I don't know if I was <laughs> to both uh, of you. To, be, to both no, of you. No, I'll answer, but I, you know, I'm being respectful. I'm letting Teddy go first. I'll say this. I'm interested in doing whatever I can to help coach Venables, to help OU, to help those players be successful, but it will not be as a, uh, as a paid uh, employee of the university or of the, of the football program. But coach Venables has my services for anything else and I'll do it for absolutely $0. I'm, I would say I I feel that now it'd be tough for me if I was to get a call I would I would hear it out and see what whatever the offer may be but I am so on board with helping at whatever is needed or whatever is asking me because I love my university I am invested in my university um, so. I mean, my blood, sweat, tears, monetary donations that I have given, I'm invested. So whatever I can do to help keep pushing that envelope forward and getting back into, you know, dominating defenses and, you know, flashy offenses, whatever I, whatever I can do to help, I'm in, most definitely. I mean, it's, I take pride. Like, I literally take pride in my school. Like, I mean, I've, I've set it at a, a deal that I was speaking out. I would fall on the sword for any of my guys. Like I, I really would. I, and I, I'll, I'll do it. Cause I mean, I just, that's how much I believe in um, that OU brotherhood. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, it's, it's hard not you guys to, kind to of want dance to be... around that. Little tap <laughs> no, it's there. not, it's not. Little, little I live, no, dance. I didn't dance around it. I'm, here's the deal. I didn't dance. I'm a business owner. You know what I mean? I own three. I own three companies. So if I was to get asked to come back, I mean, there's a there's a whole dynamic that that needs to be talked through and talked about. You know, what am I going to do with my companies? I mean, I, I I would. That's why I said I would listen to if whatever the offer may be, I'll hear them out. But then I need to weigh my pros and cons. You know, I mean, I have goals and aspirations of growing my company to a certain per, uh, growing my company to a, a certain uh, plateau and then I'm gonna I want to exit you know what I mean at some point so I mean does that is does the offer um, accelerate that or am I just going to keep status quo and keep building my company up until I mean I'm ready to have somebody come knock on the door and take us out so it, it just it's it's tough to answer that question and but then too it's you know, it's like sometimes you got to think too. It's like, am I going to put my livelihood in the hands of a 17, 18 year old, 19 year old kid? I mean, that's that's a lot. Right now, I'm in business for myself. 
you know, me and my business partner, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> we have, it's a service company. So we have guards out in the field working. And so it's just like, and they're professional, um, they're certified, they have their, you know, their cleat certification. So they have some type of professionalism to them where they're not going to do anything foolish. But on the other hand, being at a university, there's a lot of, there's a lot of temptation, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that there's some pitfalls and stuff that you can fall, you, you know, so it's, it's tough to answer that question with a straight answer. I'll pencil you both in for a guess. whatever (laughs) did you so you obviously had a fantastic college career and you went on and dominated again in the nfl did you have did you prefer one over the other because they're it's totally different you know uh the the college experience is um you know it's it's just different you know i i absolutely loved it you go to the nfl and there, there is a, you know, kind of go to work type of feeling and, and the locker room is way different. Is there, is there one that you liked more than the other? You just kind of took them both for what they were. I took them both for what they were, but I miss back home in Oklahoma, like I'm back here in Oklahoma. I missed that. I truly, I truly missed going into the locker room. Everybody is same pay scale. No one makes more than the other unless you got Pell Grant and some grants or whatever. I mean, everybody was hungry. Every, I mean, it was just everybody, everybody pretty much had the same struggle. Eat know? together, live together, yeah. work out together. Exactly. It's like, it's truly it's not a like that. Yeah, and it's not like that in the NFL. And I miss that. Um, you know, you're, you ask questions to, um, in college, you know, you get you get the straight answer. You know, there's nobody self trying to sabotage you. In the NFL, I had a I had a safety. I was talking to, asking questions, and he would tell me the wrong the wrong like to do the wrong thing just to make himself look better than me. You know, I mean, when you when you go in the NFL and you're a first round draft pick, you're taking someone's job. That's just what it is. You're taking someone. You're coming in and taking someone's job, and that person's job you're taking or that person that was second that was second team gets bumped down to third team now you know they're on the they're on the cusp of being cut so they got to do something drastic to try to sabotage you to you know make themselves look better I mean it was horrible I hate I mean I'm not gonna say I hated it because I love playing for the Dallas Cowboys that's where I wanted to go but the NFL's it's 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 cutthroat I'll say that so you you played nine years, five Pro Bowls, I think, um, first-team All-Pro. How do you how do you feel about your NFL career? Like, because I know some guys that have such incredible success in college, and, and then you go and you have even in as, as good of a career as you had, and some people are like, ah, I could have done more. Is, is that where you're at, or, you, or do you look at your NFL career and you're like, I did the damn thing. Like I, I got everything out of myself that I could. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I, I did decent. Um, cause I, I here's the deal. <clears throat> cause I got criticized a lot for, um, coverage and all that. Everybody got beat. I got beat. Other people got beat. I mean, even people that are hall of fame got beat for touchdowns. And so the narrative for me was that Roy couldn't cover. And they they hung that on 
one play in particular in the Washington Redskins game where uh, one of my teammates was singled up man-to-man on Santana Moss. And when people watch football, they think that, oh, it's supposed to be a safety in the middle, which we were in a switch coverage. I had to tie it in over 10 yards, and they did a switch beater where they did a uh, um, they did a, a post in the corner, and I had, to cor- I, had to, I had to take the tight end. He went over 10 yards. I had him. And the, they did a deep post, and they kept on beating our, I mean, our, our guy that was covering. And so, so that my name got drugged in the mud as far as I couldn't cover. So it was it was tainted. Um, but when you look at when you look at my stats, I played played nine years. Two of those years I was redshirted. You know, so in my seven years that I actually played, I had over. 500, like almost 600 tackles. I had 19 interceptions or 20 interceptions, um, five Pro Bowls. So half my years that more than half the years that I, I played in the league, I was in the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I I did okay. You know what I mean? I had, I had. Yeah, what, yeah, that's I okay. Like, I had like 13. <laughs> 12 or 13 forced fumbles and uh, same 12 or 13 fumble recoveries. I mean, I I changed the game and I got a freaking rule. A couple of rules probably didn't happen <laughs> to me as far as targeting and the horse collar. Like that was my era. That's we were doing that, you know. So it's just like I made an impact. And that's all I wanted to do when I played football was make an impact. And I did that. Yep. You got any I know everyone um the Superman play is it, it's it's huge, and that's probably what everyone talks talks to you about whenever you you walk in somewhere. People see you out, but uh, college NFL. What what are a couple of your favorite moments that you had? Whether it's whether it's an individual play or it's a you know winning a game or a bowl game or whatever. Um, I would say uh, Nebraska. First, very first series, Love I take that. out the the fullback and the running back in one fell swoop. So like was, a bomb went off, dude. I, I that was that play was cool. I would, and then I would say when we played Tech in Tech in 01, where we just we we just took over and just dominated, and and Brandon Shelby messed up <laughs> probably one of the best plays I probably would have ever had. I thought it would have probably been one of the best plays I ever had. And then um, I've never seen uh, I've never seen a guy get cussed out on the field like that on a play that, you know, had a, a negative result for the offense. <laughs> was like, I was so, what are you doing? Dude, I was I was so I feel bad, but I didn't feel bad because I was like, dude, like I literally like that play was like I read it perfectly. Like I knew they were sending the receiver behind me. So I gave the illusion at King uh, uh, Kingsbury that I was going to come, but then I, I stopped, jump up, hit the ball, and it fluttered. Like I tapped it right to myself. I'm getting ready to catch it. And Brandon Shelby comes over and pulls it, and he doesn't even catch it. And I'm like, come on, B-Shelb. At least, at least complete the play. Help me out, you know? Um, and then I would say our, our, um, our last – my last bowl game in – uh, the Cotton Bowl. I think our performance in that 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 oh. whole game. I mean, fifty yards total yards um, on fifty plays or fifty two plays. 
I think they had 52 plays, whatever, and they only had 50 yards total offense. I think our performance in that was phenomenal. And then NFL, I mean, I I would probably say one of my favorite hits was against 49ers. Um, I was on kickoff, hence, you know. <laughs> and um, I think the uh, – I forget the returner's name, but I hit the returner, flip him 180, he drops the ball, and then I, I have a fumble – and I, I got a forced fumble and a fumble recovery on the same play. And, I, I mean – I really enjoyed. I, that was like, you, it was amazing. Like it was a phenomenal hit. Like we, I gotta find it and show it to you because it's it, like the it, sweet it, spot, right? Whenever yeah, you, uh, you hit the it driver, right? The sweet spot. Yeah, like I mean, I, I, my bell wasn't rung. Like it was just a, a clean hit, and I felt great after it. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah, for sure. So I, I don't know how we've gone this long without talking about you guys winning a national championship but somehow we have. Yeah. And I just like with, with everything you accomplished in, in your career, right. At the, at the professional level and the college level, now you're going to the college football hall of fame. Like is winning a national championship. Like, is it still like, is that the best feeling in your career or is it, or are there other things that are better than that? Because it seems like, I, I mean, because I think people view that as like, you know, you've reached the mountaintop of the sport or at least in college, but yeah. is that still like, when you think back on your career is, is winning that national championship in 2000 still at the top of the list? For sure. I mean, I, I mean, because, and we're the last class at OU to win a national championship. So it owes a special place in my heart, but I don't want to be the last class to I mean, win a championship. I, I feel that um, we should have won at least two or three more, you know, um, but I mean, most definitely you hold that and you cherish that because the hard work that got put into that season um, and us just executing um, game in and game out and even winning. Um, and it's a testament to our 99 team because we lost, we lost some close games that we should have won. So we were battle tested. We knew, um, we knew, we basically lost games that we should have won and it literally um, helped us and motivated us for the 2000 season to finish out. And once we took the lead, we, we uh, tried our best not to, you know, give up the lead. And um, I mean, not 2000, I mean, that that's always going to be talked about because it was a magical season. I mean, I don't think um, a champion of late has had a schedule that we had. I mean, especially that red October, with the at that time the um, Nebraska, um, K State, and Texas. I mean, there were those were all ranked ranked teams, and they were good. They were really good. And but it <clears throat> the way we beat up on Texas, people were like, man, they really aren't good. But they were really a good football team. Yeah. So when did you when did you because you were there uh, with the previous staff? And kind of saw that situation, and then the new staff came in. When did you? Because everyone starts off the season like all 130 whatever teams start off saying we're winning a national championship, right? Everyone says that. Yep. Not everyone believes it, right? But mm -hmm. at what point was it like? Okay. Yeah, like we've got something here. We've we if if we lock down, if we take care of our business. 
there's no telling how good we could be. I mean, cause you saw, you saw it from, you know, whenever it was way down and then you were there whenever it was way up. So when did that kind of the mentality flip that? Okay. Yeah. We've, we've got something. 2000 when we, when we, uh, when we lost to Old Miss and we had a bitter, t- well, for me, it was when we lost to Old Miss and I had a bitter taste in my mouth after we lost. And it's crazy because, um, Back in, in the summertime in 2000, there were probably about four, five different homes that were having the same conversations that myself, Damian Mackey, and Jay Hunt were having inside of our apartment. We're looking at the schedule and we're going down the schedule like, okay, we can beat them. We can beat them. We can beat them. Got to Red October. It was like, man, that game's going to be tough, but I don't see why we couldn't win. And we went all the way down to the bottom and we're, we're like, why can't we win a national championship? Let's go out there and win a national championship. And there are, cause you had already it, either beat those teams the year before or had them down. Yeah. It should have beaten them for sure. And so that's why we looked at the schedule. We just, we just talked about the schedule and we, we can say we spoken into existence, but we went out there. We, I mean, we had the best conditioning in the country, you know, um, we had a, a budding offense that, um, um, had hypo leading it, had phenomenal receivers. Our defense was coming into our own stride. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was, you can feel that, you can feel that wave coming, like we're about to do something special. And I thought it was pretty cool that people in their own apartments were having the same conversation that my guys in my apartment were having too, like we can win this. And everybody, people really didn't talk about it, but people talked about it amongst themselves in their, in their apartments. And we actually went out there and executed and did it. All right, Roy, um, man, you've, you've been so generous with your time, but I got two quick questions from you. we we, We do this. We do this thing on the podcast called call your shot, where we get questions or comments from, from people that listen. And we put a question out there that, and we've got a couple from our listeners from you. This this actually isn't a question. It's it's a statement, but this comes from Tony T on Twitter, who says, "Tell us a Schmitty story." <laughs> so pick one. I know you got a couple. You know, pick it's, one. It's, no, no, it's funny because, like, during my time at OU, like I really, um, okay, Schmitty story. So back in. I don't know if it was nine. I don't know if it was ninety nine or two thousand, but the movie GI Jane came out. Right? Were you there, Teddy? Uh, I don't. I'm, I don't know. Okay, I'll so the movie GI, maybe it was ninety nine. So in the movie GI Jane came out, and Coach uh, Coach Schmidt and Coach Bob um, were trying to get rid of a lot of the bad apples that were a part of the team that were cancerous, and they were just trying to run them off. So. Um, the East end zone or the East stadium where the East suite seats are before those suites were there, those stairs used to climb like, like really high. And so I, we did halfway through or halfway up and we used to have to go halfway up to, to the top. Um, um, it was coach Ed, um, and his staff or coach Smitty, coach Ed, um, um, and his staff, and they had the GI Jane bell where they they said they they wanted about 20 people to quit. And they said, 
we're not going to stop running until 20 people quit. I honestly think that day, I think 12 people quit that day. And we, our, our time was, um, I dare say, 38 seconds. I think you had a minute. I think you had either 55 seconds or a minute to run to the top and then get back down to go get ready to go again. And so that, that's what it was. It was a full minute. So however long it takes you to get up and then you had to get back down within that minute to go get ready to go again. And so 12 people quit that day. It wasn't crazy. I was so I was so confused when you started with well GI Jane just came out and I was like wait <laughs> yeah. what what is gonna happen well, the, here? in the movie in GI Jane they had a bell on the beach where people had to tap out ring it to quit so yeah so they were, they brought that out and people started quitting were you there whenever they brought McDonald's to the duck pond because everyone um, told that story like it was like the last day of the summer in '99 and then I had to be there. The, I and it, everyone met there at like 6 a.m. And instead of running, Schmitty brought like a bunch of McDonald's breakfast and everyone just ate breakfast. And called I don't it up believe and that. that. It. No chance that so happened. So what nah, pissed me off Schmitty is... Did, Schmitty, Schmitty did do some cool stuff. So, but that was, it, that was mental warfare. Because the four years that I was there, uh-huh. at the end of every summer, everyone was like, man... I you know I heard like that one time they didn't have to run on the last day he brought in like he brought in McDonald's and everyone just like showed up and ate and it was awesome the last day was a wrap never happened every day everyone showed up like looking around like what do they got for us nothing just full on <laughs> run here we go brutal yeah Smitty throws bones every now and, <laughs> and- I'm, sorry. I'm sorry you didn't get one buddy. This is this is the last one, and this comes mm-hmm. from Michael Loggins on okay. Twitter, and I love this question. He asks, Roy, do you still have the shark in the tank in your house? I saw on cribs back in the day. No, I don't. I don't live in Texas anymore. It's funny because um, the person that bought my um, um, my home in Dallas sent me a message on Twitter the other day, letting me know that the shark tank that or the fish tank that I had in my master bedroom was a two way. So you can see in the closet or you can see the fish tank from inside the closet out, but you couldn't see inside the closet, but he was letting me know that he was taking that fish tank out. And then the fish tank that he's speaking of, I actually donated to my church, um, and in, uh, in South Dallas at Ibach, Inspiring Body Christ the Church. So if they, he ever wants to go see that fish tank, it's at my church home back in Dallas for sure. There you go, Michael Loggins. Yeah. You can go see the shark. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> it's a bunch of them. I mean, there we. It's the largest fish tank outside of an aquarium at my church, and it's not mine. They built a new. They built a fish tank inside the church, so it, it's it's really nice. That's cool, Roy. Congrats on the Hall of Fame, man. Thank you. Um, always love seeing you around on game day. Uh, thank you so much for your time. You're the man. No, no problem. All right, you guys. He's in the Hall of Fame. You're next, Ted. You're next. Beast. Absolute beast. Uh, it was a pleasure being able to, to, to be a teammate of his and watch him play. And the fact that he continues to be uh, – a fantastic ambassador for the University of Oklahoma is great. Yep. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. 
Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized, slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock in the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. That's bmchs.org, if I could read properly. Financial aid is available. Okay, so we're going to save the stuff for the Big 12, uh, possibly having 14 teams for next episode because the interview with Roy ran so long and we don't want this to be a a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. So we're going to go to winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Simple, and I believe someone even requested this in the, um, the comments section or on Twitter. Winner of the week is OU Women's hoops 16 and two now flying up the top 25 rankings big win tonight 88 76 over West Virginia and I, this is amazing they are putting up points in huge numbers they are the number two offense in all of women's college basketball right now average 88 points a game uh, they're doing a fantastic job. Only losses are to Iowa State, who is, I think, like a 16 or 17 and one team, and Oregon, big win over Baylor, obviously. This team is turning some heads. In her first year, Jenny Bronchek's done a fantastic job. Yeah, you think Josie's thrilled about that hire? Whew. I mean, I, I, I will be the first one to admit, when it comes to OU women's hoops, I am a fair weather fan. I watch when they're good. Uh, that's just, and I, I fired up ESPN plus tonight and I was watching, I watched that entire game. Right. And luckily we, we started recording when that game was winding down. It was in hand, baby. I didn't even need to stress about it. They had, they had really, I mean, it was tight in the first half, but then the second half, just that third quarter, they just punched West Virginia in the face and they had no answer. The, I, I don't want to say anything bad about the men's team. The women's team, like you talk about some free flowing offense and letting that thing fly. 
they're fun to watch. Like it's an entertaining brand of basketball. I don't They've care if it's men's or women. They've gone over hundred points a couple of times this year. I mean, they're 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 filling it up. You're right. It's no games it's, in the fifties for Jenny B's team. Not grinding it out. No, it's it's um. You're right. It's free flowing. They're firing up threes. Um, you know, Maddie Williams. The tempo. Okay, I I watch Maddie Williams. And there's part of me when I watch her play and I watch her, you know, she's shooting from the perimeter or taking it to the rack. I'm watching her. I'm like, I think she would beat me one-on-one. Like she <laughs> like, and listen, I'm a former professional athlete. I, I played basketball through high school. Like there's a certain pride about me, but I also, I, I know she would beat me on one-on-one and it makes me sad, but it also makes me happy because she's on OU's team. That's awesome. No, they're, they're, they're fun. It's a great group. And, Man, what what a turnaround, right? Because uh, the program had, had had just really leveled out, lost um, a lot of the enthusiasm. There used to have a huge following, and that had just kind of trickled off over over the recent years. And man, it's great to see them doing some good things and playing a exciting brand of basketball. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it, it's really fun to watch and. It's not going unnoticed, right? They're they're up to number fourteen in the country, and I was talking to Holly Rowe about this the other day. She's, I mean, super dialed in to women's college basketball. Jenny Baranchek right now. I think if you had to take a vote, I'm not so sure she wouldn't be your national coach of the year. Yeah, well, which, it's which is awesome. Yeah, and I. Who knows what happens, you know, because there's still a there's still a lot of a lot of time in the season to go. But for an offense that's already clicking the way that they are right now, I you don't really envision like all of a sudden and it can happen. Knock on wood. But when you have a team that can score and move it up and down the field or the the court, shoot well, typically that's what you're going to get. And when you can score in bunches. Like that translates really well to tournament basketball. They they also seem to like each other, which isn't everything, but they seem to have a lot of important. fun when they're playing. Like there's there's a lot of rah rah, and it's I don't know, it just it looks good. It's fun to watch, and I like watching Taylor Robertson bury threes. I'm a fan, and hey, Skylar Van, difference maker, difference maker. Love what I'm seeing from her the last couple of weeks. Keep it up, Skylar. OU Women's Hoops, we're back, baby. Let's go. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I got a bad feeling of where this is going. OU Men's Hoops. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey. But we've Porter turned- Moser, he passed out pizza, man. I know, and I I love what Porter Moser's doing. I I still believe in this team, but we've dropped three straight, okay? Um in this conference, every single night is going to be a battle. It doesn't matter who you play. We, we saw that over the weekend, all right? It doesn't matter who you play. It's going to be a battle night in, night out. And I know it's Kansas. I don't give a flip about Kansas or their history or anything. When you've got an opportunity to win at home, you've got to take advantage of it. You do. When you drop flip right there, I thought that was about to be a first in the history of the podcast for I you. Know. Like that I was, that was close. That was close. Okay. So, but that game, I'm with you because I really feel like 
they missed an opportunity with Abaji being banged up, right? Ochai Abaji hurts his wrist early in that game and misses a period of time, right? When he's back with, you know, getting x-rayed. And then once they found, found out that the x-rays were negative, they taped up his wrist and he came back in the game, but they weren't able to get any separation when he was off the court. And then like, he only scored 10 points. This is a guy that's leading, leading the big 12 in scoring. And that is, that's frustrating. Like that, that's a game in those circumstances when the star Jayhawk, you know, clipped his wing and is hurting yet. You got to win that game. And with the way that it was, it was so annoying that it was Christian Brown that buried the three to win the game. Oh, that guy is just, if he, I mean, if you're a Kansas fan, you love him, but every other fan base in the big 12 just loads Christian Brown. I thought it was a good contest by Harkless. Some people are saying he helped a little too much on the drive. I don't, I don't know about that, but the, at the, least it was a contest though. Like that's part of why I've got the OU hoops uh, team as the loser is because I, you had opportunity to win that tight game. And then the TCU game, you had opportunity there and you miss a rotation and, and that one, you leave a guy like wide open for a three uh, in a crucial part of the game. You got three losses in a row. Now, I don't think this team is about to uh, just totally nosedive. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, luckily, college basketball comes down to the postseason tournament. Okay. And I think that I do believe wholeheartedly that this is going to be a tournament team and I think a lot of what they do matches up well in the tournament to, to make a bit of a run. So I'm not, I'm not like getting off the, uh, the bandwagon here, but you can't let this thing fester. You got to get back to, to winning some basketball games and just the nature of the big 12. It's not going to get any easier. No, uh, I will say, you know, look at my notes from that game. I love Jalen Hill. The guy he's just a winning player. Mm-hmm. I love the hustle plays getting on the floor you know, getting rebounds, getting loose balls at key moments, right? He's just he's just a winning player, and I love the way that the kid plays. Uh, one of my other notes from the game, they're not going to beat many teams. Uh, they're, they're not going to beat many teams if they only hit four threes. They're nope. just not, right? They, they don't have enough talent. They don't defend well enough for it. That's not the best way to say it. They don't have a guy that can protect the rim well enough, right? So, Well, I don't, I don't at, think they have a... Um, that's a good point. I like them defensively, but I don't think they have a guy that can generate offense just like whenever they have to have it. So you've got to rely on a lot of threes, like, because you're going to get some, some catch and shoot opportunities. That's going to be one of the best ways to generate offense for them. Uh, you know, and if they're not hitting threes and, and we've seen it, you look at their losses, they've struggled from three in every single one of their losses. I did yeah. like that that little, you know, false screen or whatever where you you run the guy off and the defender feels like there's going to be a screen there and you can get a blow by a couple of times for yeah, Goldwire. That was yeah, that was that nice. Was cool. And then he, I, I thought he he did some really nice things in that game, but I I think that maybe Moser and I'm obviously don't know enough about basketball, but. Uh, CJ Nolan, he seems to do some pretty good things when he's on the court, right? And I, I know he looks like a football player, but he seems to contribute 
in a pretty solid, uh, solid way when he's out there. And then Tanner Groves, he just got to play better, man. Uh, I mean, he's got to hit some of those, some of those short range shots, right? I mean, he had, he had a lot of shots in that game that he wants back. Right. And ultimately you lose the game by three points and those, those little gimmies that you miss, those, those add up and those come back to bite you. I'm not, I'm not abandoning ship, but uh, we got to get back on the, uh, the winning side of things. Dropping three straight is, is not good. You don't want to start, you know, knowing and accepting what it feels like to lose basketball games. Yeah. Well, luckily Baylor comes to town Saturday. Easy. Easy. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distiller to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. And remember, if you're drinking some because of us, tweet it, let them know, tag us, let's go. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, small market NFL teams. Follow me on this. How about this? And I got this from Axios Sports, so all credit to them. The four teams left in the AFC. They form the smallest average media market size of any conference's final four since the merger in 1970. So remember, out of the 32 teams in the NFL, Buffalo is the smallest media market in the league. Cincinnati is 27th. Kansas City is 26th. And the Titans in Nashville, 25th. So it, 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 is, it is a weekend of the small market team in the AFC, and these are two games that I am pumped for. Ted, you see how I used my winner to to preview the NFL games? Huh? Yeah, that's a nice little easy transition there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we've been doing this a while. What's up? Bengals, Titans on Saturday. No doubt in my mind that Derrick Henry is going to play and play at a high level in this game and look good doing it. But that Bengals rushing defense is legit. I mean, it's rock solid. Ryan Tannehill is going to have to make some plays. And now this is the healthiest his weapons will have been in a while, but Tannehill is going to have to make plays. And for the Bengals to win this game, Joe Burrow 
is going to have to be not good, not great, but phenomenal. Because Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and (laughs) Vrabel with what they're going to dial up on defense, they are going to try to kill him. I mean, they've been talking about it all week. You And Vrabel is an intense, physical dude. He is going to want his defense to punish Joe Burrow for holding on to the football too long. And I don't think the Bengals are going to get anything from Joe Mixon in the running game. The, the Titans have been awesome against the run all season long. And you would assume they'll have a plan for Jamar Chase, but I, I feel like a lot of teams have had a plan for Jamar Chase, and it just hadn't worked very often. So. I do not like picking against Joe Burrow, especially after those glasses you rocked after the divisional round. Man, that was or the wild card round. He looked good, but I think the Titans get it done at home, Ted. I do. Give give me Tennessee. Yeah, you're wrong on this one, unfortunately. No, you're wrong. Here's the thing. The NFL, it's about being hot at the right time. Throw out the records. Throw You can even throw out home field. It's about being hot. And right now, Cincinnati is hot. Tennessee, I think Tennessee is a really good all-around football team. They got a great running game. They got a quarterback that, that can make some plays. They got some talented skill guys. Defensively, solid. They're all-around solid football team. But I don't think that they're they are one of those teams that have such a like a winning core about them that they can be off for extended time, have a player be out for an extended time, and be able to just step in and put it all together after being idle whenever they're playing, who has to be over the last three, four, five weeks, the hottest team in the NFL. I, that's what I'm going. Like, almost any time these two teams would match up under normal circumstances, I would take Tennessee. But just because of the way things have unfolded, I, you know, and it's always the rest versus rust and all of that crap, I get it. But in this, just this specific situation, I think that's a negative for Tennessee. Give me the Bengals, man. And... I will admit, I have had a lot of fun watching the Cincinnati team, and I and maybe this is what's getting in the way and it's clouding my judgment. I think they're fun to watch, and I want to see them continue on. If if you think they're fun, you'll think they're more fun. Go go watch a CJ Uzama interview. Just go watch it. The guy is is phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. You'll love, you'll be like, yes, love this guy. Nice, but. I just I think that right side of the Bengals offense line is going to be the downfall for him in this game. We'll see. All right, Bills Chiefs on Sunday, the other game in the AFC. I think everyone would agree this is the game of the weekend. My initial reaction is there's going to be a ton of points scored in this game, but then I remember that the Bills have the best defense in the NFL. And the Chiefs defense, honestly, has been a lot better later in the year. So Maybe what everyone expects is a shootout, but maybe we just get, I don't think it's going to be low scoring, but maybe we get a game that's, you know, decided in the high twenties or something. It could be in the forties. That's what I want. That's what I would love to watch that. But I I feel like 
picking this game comes down to one thing, and it's do you trust Josh Allen or do you trust Patrick Mahomes? I mean, who who do you trust to make the biggest difference? And at Arrowhead, I'm taking Mahomes. And I, I feel like the, the Bills, they just played too well last week. Like, it makes yeah. me think they can't do that again. So I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Obviously, I'm a little biased with the Belldozer stuff, but I'm, I'm riding with the Chiefs at Arrowhead. They're, I think the Chiefs win the game. Oh, no, okay. no. I think the Chiefs win the game. But uh, I am becoming a Chiefs hater. I love the I love the Blake Bells there, Creed and those guys. I like that, but everyone pisses me off whenever they just pick Kansas City as the default Super Bowl champion. And I don't I, I don't know. Maybe it's it's irrational of me, but it pisses me off. I want the Bills to win. I, for some reason, I'm annoyed with Mahomes, and I think it has more to do, well, I know it has more to do with his wife and his brother, (laughs) and it also has to do with how he does a lot of great things, but I feel like everyone, like, just threw onto him that he's the greatest quarterback of all time before it was necessarily earned. So I'm kind of annoyed with the whole thing, but I do think they win the football game. Well, but I'll be pulling for the Bills big time. Yeah. What one of those teams employed me and one of them didn't. So like I like there's part of me that's like, hey, let's go, Bills, but then with Creed and Blake, I just I I can't. Let's go, Chiefs. I'm picking them to win. If okay. now if it was in Buffalo and Ooh, that'd be a different animal. We were going to see different some animal. sex toys thrown on the field. Then I think I would I would take Buffalo to win the football game outright. But since it's in Kansas City, I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with anyone that doesn't watch this on YouTube because Teddy is growing a beard. Are we going to talk about this? Is this I? What's I, what's the strategy here? I think this is. I think this is it. I think this is the end of the line. It's been it's been fun. It's been an interesting what five days or so, but I think I've reached the end of the line. What what's the wife think of it? Because I will say I have had multiple women in my life that support the show, watch it on YouTube, comment that they're a big fan of the Teddy Beard. Yeah, I think um I, I don't think she cares, <laughs> honestly, one Fair way enough. or the other. It's just, it's it's not a it, it, it's meaningless. It's nothing. I do think it's I think it's the end of it, though, man. I I don't know. We'll see. Give it a few we'll more see. days. Let's see. Let's okay. get, give it one more episode. Wait, one more wait episode? till Sunday. Yeah. All right. I can do that. I okay. can do that. And I, I can't wait to see what it looks like. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, also, for Loser of the Week, thought about going with gary patterson he did it damn it gary we told you not to do it and you did it if you don't know gary patterson is going to join steve sarkeesian's staff at texas it's good for texas but i hate it all the way around damn it gary 
I bet, I bet, I bet TCU fans are like, what the hell, man? But, but for my loser of the week, man, and this one hurts, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we haven't had an episode since that game on Monday night, and oh, boy, that was rough. I mean, that that's about as rattled as I think any of us have ever seen Kyler Murray look. And, you know, a couple bad interceptions. The pick six was obviously a really poor decision. But now I'll, I'll say his offensive line didn't exactly do a great job protecting him, but it was just jarring at how uncomfortable he looked. And, you know, Cliff just – he just – man, it – they just looked shocked with the way yeah. that that game started and they just couldn't bounce back. And it now the, the Rams win sets up a really fun final four in the NFC. See what I did again. See? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But man, that was a, that was a disappointing performance for the Cardinals. It was just disappointing. I, I was hoping that game would be really entertaining and fun. And it, it just was not. Yeah. And I know, like, Kingsbury's getting a bunch of uh, heat for that game, and Kyler is too. But here's the thing, man. It's been a nice turnaround for Arizona uh, to, to have the record that they did. Here's what, what they'd lost. Was it four of the last five? Definitely three of the last four. Maybe four of the last five. This was a team that was trending down because of injuries, didn't have – one of their best players and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they're, they're a different team when they've got DeAndre Hopkins. There's no doubt about that. So, and you've got the Rams who are starting to hit their real stride as a football team and playing good. So it wasn't a big shock to see that game unfold the way it did. Um, I still believe that Arizona is headed in a really good direction. They lost five of their last six this year. The Ooh. year before they lost five of their last seven and Cliff's first year in 19, they lost seven of their last nine. Ouch. They have not finished strong under Cliff, but it does set up a fun Final Four in the NFC. San Francisco, Green Bay on Saturday. And San Francisco can give Green Bay problems now because uh, Green Bay does not have a great run defense, and we all know that's exactly what San Francisco wants to do, but man, I just can't pick against Aaron Rodgers in this circumstance that that dude's on a mission and that 49ers defense, they may give them some problems. I, who, who knows what happens with Bosa? I'm assuming he's going to play, but you never know with head injury stuff, but ultimately I'm taking the team that has Aaron Rodgers uh, over the team. That's got Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just that simple for me. It really is. There is no doubt about it. I believe this game is going to be an absolute ass-kicking. Now, what does that say on the scoreboard? I don't necessarily know, but there is no better playoff home-field advantage than Green Bay. This game is going to be like 12 degrees. That's without the wind chill and everything else factored in. San Francisco... They don't play in games like this. They don't. And it is a massive factor. I don't know. Have you ever played in Green Bay late in the year when it's super cold? Nope. Played it's Buffalo, all you though. can think about. <laughs> You're right. But it, Buffalo's cold, but it's it's still, it's not Green Bay, man. I'm telling you. It, it's, it's all you can think about. Whenever you walk out of the tunnel, it's like, oh, my God. And they've got this 
warm chicken broth on the sideline. So good. And they do it. They put it over there for a reason because after you have a couple drinks of it, it's all you can think about in the game is how good it tastes and how you want that warm chicken broth. And oh my God, it's so cold out here. And why don't I have sleeves on? It feels like someone's holding a welding torch to your arm. It there's it, It's going to be a big factor. And they're still going to show up. I mean, these guys are professionals and guys have played in that, that type of stuff before. But this this is this is this is Green Bay easy in this one. Aaron Rodgers, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He's the best player in the NFL, and it's not close. Green Bay, and then Rams Bucks on Sunday. Tampa's defense is healthy, and they are nasty, man. And now they didn't exactly get tested right to their limits by the Eagles, and I do think the Rams will test them, but I. I think this this game comes down to Tampa Bay's ability to protect Tom Brady. And we saw what Aaron Donald and Von Miller did getting after Kyler. All of a sudden, a few of Brady's OL banged up, right? Worfs went down with the knee. Jensen went down, was clearly in a ton of pain. I'm assuming both of those guys are going to give it a go. They won't be close to 100%. Jalen Ramsey will probably just have the ability to travel with Mike Evans, try to eliminate him from the game. I think I, I can't believe I'm picking against Tom Brady. I think the Rams are going to go to Tampa and beat the Bucs. I do. I do too. Uh, I Here's another team that happens to be really hot, but Bucks experience playing at home. You cannot count them out, especially as good as their defense is, man. Here's what I think is is really cool about this game. If you combine the talent on these two teams defensively, you could probably assemble the greatest defense in the history of the sport. It is unreal, the talent on these two defenses. It's They are so fun to watch. The backers... For Tampa Bay, uh, they've got good pass rush, good guys up front. Obviously, the Rams pass rush and and those freaks are are insane. Uh, just the guys on the back end, there is a ton of talent. Really, there's a ton of talent just in general between these two teams that's going to be out there on the field. So I'm really looking forward to it. If I had to pick, I would probably take the Rams because – they are, uh, I think, overall more talented and, and hotter right now. But there is, I think, possibly a bit of a pucker factor. This is the biggest football game Matt Stafford's ever been in. It ain't close. Yep. And how does he respond to that? Because Tom Brady's been in a million of these. And I think ultimately that could be the difference. You know, if you look on paper, the similarities between the two quarterbacks, pretty close. But I think we all know that aside from paper, I mean, I'm saying paper this season, aside from that, the comparison, it ends right there. Like for this type of moment, this type of, of football game, you have to give Tom Brady a ton of credit for that. So like, that's the one thing that's really holding me back from, from picking the Rams is the Stafford, like make this game like, more than what it is and go out there and spit the bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 
I clearly think that Tom Brady's going to have an advantage when it comes to experience in these moments, but uh, I'm with you. I, I just think that I think the Rams are going to win. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird feeling picking against Tom Brady. It feels like it feels stupid. It's weird. Also, it, it I'll do it for the both of us. Odell Beckham Jr. We were wrong. You, you look pretty damn good. You look pretty good in Los Angeles mm. and, and you're making plays and you look very athletic and the you look time. like you still got it. You look like you still got it, man. So credit to you. Careful, Gabe. There's still time for him to do something incredibly stupid and cost them the biggest moment of the year. Okay. Just you're you're right that it's trending in that direction, but come on, we haven't we're not admitting defeat yet. Right, we're not. We admitting are. Defeat. Hey, what do you think is? What's the best AFC NFC championship that we can hope for? Brady mm. Rogers, right? You got to go, Brady Rogers. Brady Rogers, yeah, just for like the intrigue, and then I think, who, Mahomes, Burrow. Uh, Mahomes, bro, but remember, I'm going to be in Nashville next weekend, and if the uh, Titans yeah. win, I'm going to go to the AFC Championship game. So I am, I'm rooting hard for the Titans, dude. Hard. Yeah. Also, yeah. employed me. So let's go there Titans. Go. Tighten up. Good and stuff. on that note, episode 182 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder: you can hear Teddy from two to six on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy the longest podcast in the history of the podcast. <laughs> Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.